Tickets? Check. Popcorn and beverage? Check. It's showtime. Local talk that's moving the needle. From the iHub Radio Screening Room, this is Flicks and Picks with Brian Mendoza. Hey, welcome back to Flicks and Picks. We have a special episode today. Um, So let's just say that new movies don't come out as often as quarantine suggested it will. And just quick news, they actually finally moved the release date for New Mutants. So if you wanted me to address that, it is coming out August 8th of this year. I guess Disney wants to throw a little bone towards um, the film the film theaters, which is fine. You know, I actually think that's great. I really do. So hopefully that's the release date it stays. That movie's been really pushed around so much. But on this very special episode, a very special blossom, as they would say, my friend Dakota. Say hi, Dakota. Hi, I'm Dakota. <laughs> and today we're going to talk about adult animation. Now, adult animation has had quite the history in terms of being a very viable thing in, in um, I would say, television and film. But we'll have to see. Now, I would ask you, Dakota... What do you, what would you say, you know, because we talked about before this, we talked about the Flintstones being the most important one. Would you agree with that assessment? Um, yes and no. I do find it important because uh, it's one of the first cartoon sitcoms which gave so many ideas to these other cartoon sitcoms. But also, no, because in my opinion, it's an overrated show that in rewatching it is not that great. You know, and re- I actually did rewatch like the Flintstones, you know, and for this specific episode because I wanted to see like and I wanted to see where its value was. And its value is really just because of the fact that it is like the first primetime animated show for adults or at least for adults to watch because they're catered to. But I also think that it's one of those things where the Flintstones had a good dynamic, but then the show kind of. I don't know. Did you ever see the episodes where they had children and the Great Kazoo shows up? Because those are kind of the weaker episodes. Uh, yeah, I did. And let's be fair. Almost any cartoon or TV show that has children in it is probably going to be weak. Um, especially, especially, would you say, when the show didn't have the children to begin with? Because the first two seasons of the Flintstones didn't have the children. Yeah, they... I'd have to say the first few seasons of the Flintstones were better without the children than they were with. Um, I also feel like the writers, when it comes to like shows and our next couple of shows, well, I think other shows after the Flintstones kind of improve on the family unit as in they actually give the children personalities like, like the Jetsons, which is the, the natural successor, you know, they went out of their way to have better children. I'd say the Jetsons did, the children far much better than the Flintstones because they have a character dynamic going on. They have an arc to some degree. Oh yeah. Like, um, I, I can remember the daughter, Judy Jetson, how she just wanted to get boys. And I'm like, okay, well that's her arc. The, uh, done, done. You know, we're just not, gonna, <laughs> we're just not going to have her personality outside of that. And fun fact, the Jetsons movie, um, Tiffany, the singer plays her in that movie. And it's like, oh. you know, I guess, I guess anyone can play that part. <laughs> I can think about it. Not to be mean about it, but it's like it's one of those things where they just didn't care enough about that part. 
but um, with the Jetsons, I would even I wouldn't argue that that's like another important one. I think Jetsons is kind of important for another reason, but we'll talk about that later on. But the Simpsons. Now the Simpsons. Now that is, in my opinion, if not the most important one after the Flintstones, probably is more important because the the Simpsons when it premiered in 1989. It's still the longest-running animated TV show in America. It's still beloved, and people still mention it as among the greatest TV shows of all time. And the fact that The Simpsons kind of opened the floodgates for all these animated shows to come out and to really, I would say, succeed. Now, what are your thoughts on The Simpsons and its legacy, or do you feel like, again, it's like an overrated show like The Flintstones? Um, I'd say uh, The Simpsons did get a it does have a good start and it is important and well written cuz i don't think before then there was any other family show besides maybe the jetsons that did the whole family thing right cuz the flintstones it's fine the way they do it i guess it's just neanderthals doing dumb things <laughs> uh, the best way to describe it neanderthals but then with a show like The Simpsons, you have all these different characters full of personality, even Maggie to some degree. You know, it's funny because like it, the difference between The Flintstones and The Simpsons when I watch two episodes back to back is that they have this misconstrued idea that baby automatically means dull. You know, that automatically you just can't write a baby other than like say cute things. But Maggie Simpson kind of proves that wrong. So for me, ev- all the praise for the... <laughs> all the praise for the Flintstones being that it's a show that perfected the family formula. No, it didn't. It didn't. The Simpsons did that. The Simpsons perfected it. But I also think the Simpsons also, to me, took animation seriously because they had a style to it, but they also had good writing and they did go out of their way to actually have emotionally investing moments. Like I would say like the, the episode of the Simpsons where Homer Simpson meets his mom is pretty powerful. Or even an episode like Santa's Little Helper is, it's emotional, but it's in a way that it makes you feel good in the end. Oh, I agree with that. Um, I, I think. Ma- sorry. I was gonna say, um, it's kind of like the other show that Matt Granny wrote, like Futurama too, which gets praised a whole lot for its emotional moments. Like Futurama's most famous moment is like the dog episode. Did you ever see Futurama? Yeah, I, and I've seen the dog episode about three times. <laughs> hurts every time i see it but oh, oh well <laughs> you know i gotta say after that i would argue that the most the other next important ones would be like beers and butthead because that's when it stopped being about the family that's when the shows really became more about any anybody you know anybody can be a star of one of these shows and they can be about losers essentially you know and then south park you know, South Park to me show told television it's okay to be really gross. Not to mention with both Beavis and Butthead and South Park, they put the villains in the spotlight because Beavis and Butthead, as much as I love them, they're the villains of their own show. They hurt others. They go out of their way to cause misery, sometimes with intention, sometimes without. I definitely agree with that. And on South Park, I think they also go into this interesting idea about how the villain the characters in south park i wouldn't call them like exactly like villainous but i would say with one exception of course but that the kids are cynical 
that they're cynical and they don't really learn life lessons the same way that, let's say, the Jetsons or the Flintstones do. Like the Flintstones and the Jetsons, they they make mistakes, but their life lessons are very like in your face. And the Simpsons, they have life lessons, but they seem more sincere. And subtle at the same time. I definitely agree with that. And with, um, what's it called, South Park, they really did throw the lessons in your face but they also did this thing where they made jokes about them like for example they say it very directly you know i learned today and it's it's and it's like they have such a funny speech afterwards but it still gives the show a point like you're with any form of media someone should learn something and become someone new and i also think like i don't know if you would agree with me but south park also isn't isn't at all bitter about the things that it mocks it's very much about (laughs) addressing things that it doesn't like and i think a lot of people kind of get this impression that south park makes fun of everybody and they make fun of issues they don't make fun of let's say gay people for the sake of them being gay they make fun of like issues concerning gay people right like one of the early episodes they made fun of a character for being a homophobe so i never understood how people can look at south park and the simpsons as they're making fun of everybody so it's political correct incorrectness and it's funny when or, when those shows made fun of issues. Or I don't know if you saw the episode about the uh, the gay camp counselor, which once again that's an issue facing people of homos the facing gay people. <laughs> Just say gay people, <laughs> homosexual tendencies. <laughs> people of homosexuality. <laughs> <laughs> it's because we're so used to saying like people of color that sometimes we forget. Oh, people of gay. People of gay. People of big gay. (laughs) I love that. Big gay out. But I actually like that episode because I think for me, it did address like an interesting topic in the LGBT community, which is very specifically the Boy Scouts drama and the controversy. But in my opinion, you know, the one show that kind of diluted those types of shows would be like Family Guy. I I actually loved Family Guy during its first couple of years. But after that, I kind of feel like when you have episodes where, you know, a dog has herpes, which by the way, just a trigger warning for this whole episode because a lot of these shows are very like adult. A- adult. And they're adult not in the mature way. There a lot of them are adult in the sort of in just gonna be gross for the sake of being gross. Because right. a, I don't know. I kinda don't like the idea that your show has to be gross to be considered adult because Daria did it without doing that. Like Daria is so much better at doing the adult thing. Same thing with King of the Hill because they're subtle. Subtle humor is way funnier than unsubtle humor. No, I agree with that. And the one thing I will say in the case of um, um, King of the Hill, they go out of their way to develop characters and to te- and to really get you invested in their lives. And I think that there's a lot more uh, comedic drama in it more than it is like a satire I mean, it is a satire of like conservative America, but it seems to also have a respect for it that right. that when they make fun of, let's say, Hank Hill on that show not being exactly politically correct, they do go out of their way to like kind of show that, you know, Hank is kind of uptight, but it's extremely old fashioned and they're not making like you said, they're they have a respect for conservative Americans there's nothing insulting in the show. It's smart. Uh, and even the people who are liberals on that show, they get the same amount of like humor behind them. So, for example, they had an episode with Luann, 
witches. She's more left-leaning, and she joins the Communist Party. <laughs> and you kind of feel like the show was also trying to be respectful about the left, but that the show was not making fun of... Paul. I, I like the fact at the end that the show said, you can vote whatever way you want as long as you vote honestly. And, right. I, and I thought that was a pretty great way of looking at it. And I think shows like Family Guy kind of get this impression that just make fun of something, but not have any respect or any real thought as to why they're making fun of something. And then be gross about it, because that's what adult humor is to the creators of Family Guy in this day and age. And I feel like the people who write these shows, you know, the successful, the ones I really get critical acclaim, like The Simpsons, Futurama, Daria, King of the Hill, and Rick and Morty. I, I don't know. I would say Rick and Morty and Bob's Burgers, which are the more modern ones. Those shows understand the idea that adult animation is a great opportunity for people to kind of write more mature stories and get mature issues in a medium that lets you do whatever you want. You know, like when you an, an animated movie can get away with so much, the live action can't. You know, you can't have like aliens in a live action movie, but you can write a very poignant well you can have aliens in a live action movie don't get me wrong but you can get better aliens in animation right like compare the simpsons with alien <laughs> <laughs> true but hey we'll be right back on this special episode dedicated to adult animation here on flicks and picks with brian and dakota stay tuned Radio, reinventing talk radio in the Coachella Valley, homemade for the rest of us. From the iHub Radio screening room, this is Flicks and Picks with Brian Mendoza. Hey, welcome back to the special episode on adult animation. <laughs> That's some ASMR for everybody. But so during the break, I think. Me and Dakota have a lot to say about adult animation because we love it, and especially on television. And I think film does too. We'll do an episode on that one day. One day, you know. Maybe the Simpsons movie because I love that movie. I don't know about you. Oh, I love that movie. I think, for example, I think the Simpsons. I think Simpsons is so far the only adult animated um, show that, in general, has a great movie attached to it. Because the Flintstones and the Jetsons, no, no. The Jetsons to me is, there's an importance to the Jetsons that I'll bring up in the next segment, but I think the Jetsons movie and the show, the Jetsons is the first of the adult animated shows where it got canceled after one season and then it came back 20 years later. And that sets a kind of an interesting standard for animation, but that we'll talk about that in the next segment when we talk about like longevity. But in general, when it comes to adult animation, I'm kind of glad they're becoming more and more diverse nowadays. I think when we had our private conversations about adult animation being very comedy-based, I think me and you forgot to mention one show that is on Netflix, Castlevania. Oh. It kind of throws you off because that one, it throws you off because that show is a drama. And because we're so used to them being like comedies that we kind of forget about them. Did you ever see Castlevania? 
Uh, no, and it is based off the video game of the same name, right? Yeah, it's basically about this one vampire hunter who kind of comes in contact with Dracula and the sort of drama that comes from it. Yeah, Simon and Richter, right? Oh, yeah. that if That's from what I remember, yes. And, you know, there's so much adult animation now that, you know, I think that the only problem I have with so much is that you get a lot of great ones like Rick and Morty and I would say Big Mouth. I know you have thoughts about both negative opinions on big mouth but uh generally positive opinions on rick and morty and you know even though one of their creators isn't you know there's sort of this there's certain allegations and certain supposed things that kind of haunt that show but i feel for the most part a lot of animation kind of avoids that sort of stuff because you because when it comes to animation i think people can suspend like their perception of a creator it's like they say separate the art from the artist but I think it's more easier to separate them when it's like animated people. Like for me personally, like it's a little harder to watch like house of cards than it is like, you know, something like Ren and Stimpy, for example. Yeah. Ren and Stimpy is definitely much easier because you know that John K got kicked off after a certain <laughs> period of time. And that's not even allegedly that's actually happened, you know? And it's yeah. crazy because I would say Ren and Stimpy is an example of like, of a show that had to be a children's show, but it became an adult show. And it just shows that bringing that having, having no restrictions doesn't automatically mean that it's going to be great. Like if someone tells me this show is very creator, creator driven, the show has a lot of like, like very few executive meddling. The show is very much whatever it wants to be, you know, like the person it's very much this person. And it, it doesn't mean anything to me. Like it doesn't matter to me if like a person had a lot to say in a show because Ren and Stimpy adult party cartoon, which was the revival to Ren and Stimpy kind of proved to me that just because you have a lot of career control doesn't automatically mean that it's great. It's what I'd call the million ways to die in the West effect where you give someone way too much creative control that they can't properly control it or they're just not competent enough with it. You know, I think, I don't know, I don't know if you would agree, but a lot of adult animation that's bad has this effect where they have no control. And, you know, it sounds bad. Like I'm telling people, no, you have to collaborate and be told, hey, maybe you shouldn't be doing this because Alan Gregory, which was done by Jonah Hill, that's the best way to put it. Just, oh, God. You know, it's it's terrible, you know? It's a show that no one wants to remember. It lasted barely seven episodes, too. Thank God. Like, there's probably another universe where that show is still running, and I thank God I am not a part of that. <laughs> you know, that's the Berestein universe instead of the Berestein universe. And, you know, the, I think, for example, Big Mouth, I think because that show has a lot of collaborators on it that maybe for me personally, it doesn't feel as out of control, but I think, I don't know. I think you disagree with me on that end, but at least, at least big mouth, you understand why it's the way it is as opposed to like Alan Gregory, which was just to some degree. I mean, if I were given a choice, I'd probably pick big mouth because there are some good jokes hidden in there. Even if I dislike the show, um, I think big mouth's main issue is that it, follows the adult animation trope of being gross for the sake of being gross but maybe i'm just watching the show the wrong way what I, how i perceive it is that big <laughs> mouth is a show about um 
about teenagers. And to be fair, like when you're a teenager, you kind of have like certain gross abnormalities about yourself when you grow up. Like I remember as a teenager, I was kind of gross, you know, now I'm a little less gross, but I'm still gross. But, you know, there's sort of like an understandable reason why these characters experience gross feelings and that the show, you know, for better, for worse, kind of sentimental. There's something sentimental about it. Whereas Alan Gregory I kind of don't want to see a 10-year-old lust after a 80-year-old t- I, I principal. I think he's supposed to be 7 or 8 because he's in second grade. I was trying to give that show <laughs> trying to give that show a bone, but I can't. I mean, you're right. He's 7. I, I feel like I feel less gross about a 7-year-old doing the things that he does on Alan Gregory as opposed to the horrible things that the characters do on Big Mouth. And also because Big Mouth is actually made by people who love what they do, you know. Yeah, there's a sense of passion with Big Mouth, which with anything, like even Michael Bay, I can admire if you're passionate. But we'll talk about longevity and adult animation coming up next on this special episode of Flicks and Pick. Live from the Coachella Valley. He calls it as he sees it. This is... Flicks and Picks with Brian Mendoza on iHub Radio. So what do Futurama, Family Guy, um, I would say American Dad, The Jetsons, and more oral, what do these five shows have in common outside of the fact that they're just animated and they're made for adults? The answer is they all got canceled and in some way or another, they all came back. So when it comes to longevity, we talk a lot about how The Simpsons kind of overstays their welcome. And I feel like, I don't know, did you notice that that's kind of a pattern? Like with, with like, um, I would say Family Guy and then the Boondocks to some extent too. Absolutely. Um, they went on for way too long to the point where there was no more passion about it. And without passion, you just have a soulless cash grabber that's, it's the same thing uh, I I pointed out at Michael Bay before. Uh, I'm not going to say anything mean about him. I, but um, when he lost passion for Transformers, you could see that there was a great decline in quality. It's very unfortunate. You know, and for me personally, the quality wasn't <laughs> strong to begin with. So for me, like the later installment just kind of enhanced what was already bad to begin with. I like the first one. I'll say that. <laughs> and Bumblebee. I would Bumblebee was a good one. The, that's more of an out. Funny enough, I would say Bumblebee is an outlier in that series because he didn't produce that one from my understanding. Uh, I don't think he had any creative control with it. <laughs> but, I mean, that tells you a lot. It's actually really good compared to the other ones. But, you know, the one thing I'll say about longevity is that I never hated The Simpsons for staying on the air for too long because for me, The Simpsons at their worst is better than the Sim- than other shows at their best, to be honest. Like I've seen The Simpsons do some bad episodes, but their bad episodes are just kind of just mediocre at worst. That's the whole thing with the new Simpsons episode. They're mediocre, but they're inoffensive at the very least. But as for a show like Family Guy, the show just goes out of its way to insult the audience. I feel like they actively want to make sure the audience feels like they're being attacked. And I feel like that, the, and I don't even mean this as a political correctness thing. I just mean it as like for my intelligence, you know, I feel like I'm trying to watch a really good show and then family guy comes in and it's like every week, it's like a less 
fa- great episode, you know, and I kind of feel personally like, wow, this show had a really good start. And then it just went off off the rails. Or they got out of their way to make fun of what they think is overrated. Um, like they had a, uh, a skit where they made fun of Daft Punk saying, oh, all they do is make 80s sounds. And it's like, no, they actually put an effort where you guys don't do that anymore because you're not passionate. You know, it's funny because you ever see the Drawn Together movie? So, Drawn Together, for those who don't know, was an animated series that only lasted three seasons on Comedy Central, <laughs> and it was kind of like the 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 second the show that came on before South Park. It was the other animated show on Comedy Central that South Park, um, I would say, competed with almost within the network. Except South Park's actually funny. Yeah, I agree, I can agree with that. And the thing about both shows, though, is that Drawn Together was a show where it was so bitter against South Park being so successful that they had a movie, a direct-to-DVD movie, and on that movie, they did a whole thing making fun of South Park, calling it Make a Point Land, basically. And they went out of their way to bash everything they hated about South Park. And then they have the gall to say that they are the gall to try to come across as humble because they have a joke about just to get over being canceled. But then the writers aren't over it you know they bash south park so often and it's like you know there are times where i kind of feel like there's a certain way of making fun of a show like south park and family guy because south park gets to the core of family guy criticism and then the simpsons making fun of family guy is so you know abrupt that it's not even insulting anymore but with the way drawn together and family guy makes fun of other shows like family guy made fun of the Simpsons in one way that was so, I don't want to say what it was, but let's say one of its characters kind of mis- kills off the family without going too much into details. It's, it's a terrible, I think that when it comes to these types of rivalries, they kind of, to me age really badly unless they're made with the actual consideration of what makes these other shows, the rival shows bad. Like why does South Park hate family guy so much? I mean, mostly the cutaways, according to the episode that made fun of Family Guy. Which, which is a good criticism of it, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, because the cutaways... Um, I'm going to quote uh, a YouTuber, uh, Jonathan Enter, also known as Mysterious Mr. Enter. He says, the cutaways are... The, the worst thing about the cutaways is that they murder the art of storytelling by taking away from the story. They are there for no point other than to get a cheap laugh out of the audience. You Even know, that's not deserved. You know, Family Guy once said that they were basically looking at The Simpsons with their cutaways. But The Simpsons, you know, the one cutaway that's really famous, like The Land of Chocolate, they still kept to the story. For example, someone brings up, like, these German investors come in and uh, take over the the power plant. And they're German. And so, therefore, Homer Simpson doesn't, doesn't know anything about Germany so in order to kind of trick Homer into trusting them, they say, we come from the land of chocolate. And then he has a fantasy about the land of chocolate. And it's funny because they took advantage of a moment and they, and they decided to go with it. Whereas Family Guy in the later seasons more so than the early ones, because I still want to maintain the early seasons are funny, but they have these moments where they just go off the rails into a joke. And it's like, really? Like the cutaways do in fact murder the art of storytelling because they don't have stories anymore. They don't have stories. They don't do anything for 
they don't do anything for anybody. Like they're not even funny at this point. I feel like I feel like when it comes to shows, I think there should be a point where Fox would say to these people, "Hey, we got to cut it loose, you know. We got to we got to cut you because honestly, the legacy looks bad because I think that the reason why they're still on the air is because they still maintain um, legacy status or that they have like a loyalty to these people. Like for example, Matt Groening's worked at Fox and I think because they canceled Futurama and Futurama went to Comedy Central, I feel like they're kind of nervous about canceling the Simpsons and damn, that'd probably make the Simpsons much better. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I still love the Simpsons. I still watch it every Sunday, but the thing would be that, the future for example futurama they came back and i noticed like the jetsons for example set the standard of when a show gets canceled when an anime show gets canceled no matter how far ahead sometimes they can come back like the jetsons they lasted one season in the 60s and then they came back in the 80s and so season two and three are 80s so it's kind of weird because when you watch the show one two and three you'll notice a big jump in like era and especially since for me i noticed that when a show gets revived it's not perfect either. Like drawn together when it got revived for a movie, that was worse. That was probably the worst animated movie ever made. I would almost say it's pretty up there. I think it's the worst animated movie based on a TV show that I've ever seen. Fair enough. And in the case of like Futurama, they they were not as strong, but they still maintained like a good dynamic for the rest of the years that they were on. Like there was still a charm to it because, like I've I've said, passion is important. You could tell Matt Groening was passionate to some degree about it. He wanted to come back to Futurama because that was something that was taken away from him after four seasons. So I can see. And then in the case of more oral, they came back for prequel movie. And it was just as funny because, you know, more oral never went down the drain. I I definitely think that their movie was actually a, a nice addition rather than a, it wasn't better and it wasn't worse. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. And in the case of like, Family Guy, they just went down the drain really quickly. And American Dad, you know, funny enough, American Dad actually got better because. Oh, yeah. Because I think they, American Dad's the opposite. They started off pretty bad and then they got better. I mean, for the time, I think it was good, but then they started getting with the time again. And it's actually gotten way better. I enjoy watching American Dad once a week with my family. I think American Dad has one, th- one thing that is really valuable. It's that. They know what they can do. They go beyond the limits of what their the family dynamic is. It isn't just a family sitcom. It's now a f- action adventure show or like science fiction because they have all these possibilities because they have aliens in it. It's almost like The Simpsons. <laughs> you know, The Simpsons knew how far it could go, and that's what made it funny. And when they are bad, it's just usually because they go off the rails a little bit, like the episode of The Simpsons where Marge gets accused of driving drunk. And it's, you know, it's just an off-putting story, but you can see why it failed. Whereas Family Guy, it kind of a repeat offender, like it repeats of being a bad series. And somehow it doesn't get the death penalty. (laughs) (laughs) That's a nice way to put cancellation, (laughs) but we're not advocating anything here. But the thing would be like, other than killing off the Family Guy, because I would say that in the case of Beavis and Butthead 2, when that came back, it wasn't as strong either. Like to me, the M- the the MTV two years of of um, Beavis and Butthead were bad too. You know, they just did it. I feel like some shows like Beavis and Butthead can't come back because they're very in, they're very entrapped in their time era. Yeah, like 
if I think of Beavis and Butthead, I automatically associate it with the 90s or early 2000s. I, when it was on in the 2010s, of course I found it funny because I was, you know, like 11. And you find a lot of stupid things funny when you're at that age. Um, but it didn't have the same charm to it. I would definitely say that. And the thing would be, like, also with Ren and Stimpy to go back with that show. Ren and Stimpy fell into this trap where it came back in the 2000s after being a 90s show. And I feel like because it saw other shows, it decided, hey, you know, these other shows have done way more things than Ren and Stimpy. Let's go even worse. And Ren and Stimpy, you know, let's just say there's an episode where I don't really like the idea of watching an episode where one of the villains of the show does all these horrible things and there's no real consequences for that villain. And, and the villain's also like one of the main characters. So there's just no, it's just so unlikable. Let's just, you know, Ren in the original kind of mischievous, but he still had a heart. And I kind of don't like the idea that in order for it to come back, you had to take away that heart. You know, even Mr. Burns, you know, there's something funny about him. And I feel like there's sort of a formula that a lot of adult animation comes uh, tries to take from but i think a lot of shows like drawn together in Re- ren and simpy adult party cartoon they kind of see this idea of hey there's a formula for adult animation let's dilute it and i think those are the failures those are the ones that are definitely going to be that earn their failure it's because they dilute what makes those types of shows great but um but i honestly think that adult animation can certainly do better at kind of regulating how long a show can last because it's, I think it's kind of been proven that 30 years, you don't really need 30 years for a show to last. No, it's just ridiculous how long it's lasted and somehow having legacy status keeps it alive. But it does make you wonder like who the hell is actually still watching the Simpsons (laughs) besides you. Oh, you know, the funny thing is though, like the ratings are still pretty good. I think that's the only reason they don't cut the plug on the Simpsons. And I'm never going to advocate for the Simpsons to be canceled until they're ready. Because I think they've been on the air for 30 years that at this point they'll get, if they stop, it'd be because they don't want to work on that show anymore. But you know, there, there's so it, I would say when it comes to longevity, I'm glad that the shows are lasting as long as they are, but I do want them to one day find a good a good balance of eight to nine or eleven seasons. But twenty seasons, I think at this point has proven to not be great for some shows. It's like just have an ending movie and be done with it. Like the Simpsons movie would have been a good ending. Very. Hey, stick around. We're gonna talk about our absolute favorites. So we're gonna have three each our three favorite adult animated cartoons on television. Stay tuned. When you want to know what happened and why and what's next in the Coachella Valley, come here. iHub Radio, the local news talk authority. This is Flicks and Picks with Brian Mendoza. Call 760-544-TALK. That's 760-544-8255. Now here's Brian Mendoza. So let's go ahead and get started with this top three. And then I guess we can do our honorable mentions. I think for me, I, I have a hard time with the top three because it changes all the time. So I'll throw in Daria as my honorable mention. Just because that's the one 
animated show that, in my opinion, perfected the series finale. And it's also one of the funniest shows. So that would be my number four if I had to go by that. Um, I think for my honorable mention, I'll select The Simpsons because I appreciate what it's done for other animations to such a degree. And even for live action films, if you think about it. Oh, yeah. A lot of anime, uh, live, uh, live action shows and live action television have tried really hard to kind of take The Simpsons. Like Malcolm in the Middle, for me, is a show where The Simpsons was a very big influence on that. Oh, yeah. It's like pretty much The Simpsons if all the boys were gross and stupid. <laughs> but um, I love Malcolm in the Middle, no question. True. I mean, it's such a great show. But, you know, for me, my number three, it's actually very hard to pick a number three because... I'm going to go ahead and say South Park. South Park for me, because as much as I love these other animated shows and Rick and Morty, I would love to have put Rick and Morty on the top. I feel like Rick and Morty isn't quite far enough for me to put it in a list because I feel like I kind of have to wait until Rick and Morty ends to feel comfortable enough to put it on the list. And as for me, if I were going to... I don't think I'd ever have Rick and Morty on my top list because... I do like the show, but I don't think it's as great as the fan base states it to be. Like, if you think about it in the most simple of ways, it's a Back to the Future parody. That's a fair assessment. You know, that's a pretty fair assessment. Like, you literally have the crazy scientist and the teenager who's caught in his big game. (laughs) Um, But I think for my third, I'm going to have to go with uh, American Dad. You know, that's a pretty good choice because American Dad has certainly improved. So for, for a choice like that, it's pretty good because, you know, most animated shows go down and that just goes up. And for me, South Park has always been kind of up and down throughout the years. But it's been there has been a period where it was really up. And I think it's going down. But I still appreciate South Park's contributions. And I think that it's I defy South Park more by its by its great episodes and great seasons. Yeah, I just wish it wasn't such an essay just to keep up with it, you know? Oh, yeah. And with American Dad, what do you like about American Dad? That would be like a number three. In my opinion, it does what Family Guy is trying to do, but in the right way. American Dad doesn't have any stupid cutaways that murder the art of storytelling. Uh, The dark jokes are funny, because it's not just some one-off line or someone being gross. It's like, there's an edgy storyline. Like, take the episode where Roger wants to be inside someone's skin. It's horrible, but it does get good laughs. Um, And another thing that Mr. Enter, who I've quoted before, has said, if you're going to do gross-out humor, the characters have to be more grossed-out than the audience. And in my opinion, American Dad succeeds at that more than any other show that I've watched. You kind of—I feel like it's one of those things where gross out humor really works out when the characters are grossed out by their own actions, and that when they revel in them, they kind of have to, you know, they shouldn't—they should also acknowledge if they do enjoy them that it's gross. I think there's something kind of—that's why I think it's always sunny in Philadelphia still sticks around because. It has gross-out humor, but the characters know specifically that they're gross. Right, or you can do a kind of an opposite effect where something gross happens to someone, but they don't realize it, but then someone else is absolutely disgusted, and the character that has something gross on them, they're just puzzled as to why everyone else thinks it's disgusting. True. Now, what's your number two? 
Um, my number two, I'm going to have to go with Futurama. Same. That's mine, too. <laughs> but what do you like about Futurama? Like, I'll, I'll say what I like, and then, of course, we pick the same number, two. Um, what I love about it, <laughs> it has the Simpsons dynamic plus the future. Like, two of my favorite genres are comedy and science fiction, and it, it's able to mesh those well together, and somehow it gets me deep into the lore, almost to the level of something like Star Wars or Star Trek. You could also be honest, Futurama is a very smart show because it's science, you know, it might be hocus pocus at times, but it sounds more authentic because they have a very educated cast, of educated um, writing staff on that show. Yeah, and that's that's why a lot of science conventions, apparently from what I've read on the internet and including IMDb, they absolutely love the show just as much as Men in Black because they're scientifically accurate to some degree. Oh, yeah. And I think for me, Futurama also has this thing where it has very likable characters. But I also think that it goes out of its way to really develop each character and make them more complex. For example, they take characters like Bender that are supposed to be foul-mouthed in the beginning and make them into really likable people by the end of the show. And they know how to give us flawed characters and have like we start to kind of open up things for example like it isn't just that fry goes into the future we also realize the consequences of going into the future right but real quick i i know what your number one is number one is but what is it king of the hill um this was one of my favorite shows growing up uh and it still is today i've seen the series all the way through at least four times and I'm not ashamed to admit that. I mean, that's better um, than my number one, like The Simpsons. I've seen that show so many times, like over and over again. And it's 30 seasons, so I have a reason to be ashamed. <laughs> Probably more the ten first turn seasons. But You said it, not me. <laughs> true. But King of the Hill to me, its real value is definitely in how, in its early seasons, how strong the character dynamics are and how they consistently, you know, even during the later seasons when they added new characters, how they manage to really make characters grow and develop and they also manage to interject new characters especially a character like lucky because both lucky and uh i'm trying to remember who else we were quoting it was uh bender they both have the dynamic where they start off kind of as villainous but then slowly they become more into an anti-hero it's pretty much what venom should have done but didn't do all that well true and i think that for me like the simpsons i would put the king of the hill probably number six on my list but i appreciate king of the hill because to me i like the fact that its fan base has grown to where it's no longer just the show after the simpsons or a lot of people accuse the show of being boring and i'm glad that more people are starting to respect it because oh when you grow up you understand mature subtle humor and that's what makes the show great it's subtle it's mature it knows how to do adult animation just right i definitely agree with that king of the hill i've always understood it understood its values excuse me and so for me for me king of the hill is underrated for that reason but i like the fact that its audience has grown up and the simpsons for me i just you know, The Simpsons makes me happy. That's just the best way to put it because we're running out of time. But thank you so much for doing this episode with me. I really appreciate it. I'm glad to be on again. Thank and I hope The Simpsons Red will be open at Universal <laughs> eventually. Hope so. Hope, hopefully. Hey, thank you for listening. Stay tuned next week. We'll talk about the movie Scoob here on Flicks and Picks. Thank you. <laughs>